All right, we're pleased to be joined by a friend of the show, Jake Wimberly, does an outstanding job hosting the Afternoon Drive ESPN Radio out of Jackson, Mississippi, and of course, also the owner of the CFBHourglass.com website, does an outstanding job with all that, and the Hourglass just debuted for the 2023 season, so Jake, can't thank you enough for joining the show. Michael, I always appreciate you. Um, love the set. It always looks great. I, hey, is that a Jared Lorenzen doll? It is, yeah. A fan actually sent that out to me. I, I think they they did a bunch of them for charity, and uh, we are huge friends of, of Jared Lorenzen, so it's it's an honor to to have him. And, and the, we got the book here from Mike Leach. I mean, people that affect us, we, we want to praise them, uh, especially when they're gone, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you having me today. And uh, hey, we're under that 150 mark college football here before you know it. Yeah. So we've had you on before, but I'm sure we got new listeners that have not caught uh, your appearances talking about the CFB hourglass. Before we get into to some of these projections, can you give the audience just a brief overlay of what the CFB hourglass is? Sure. Yeah. And for those that haven't uh, heard any of my work, I'm uh, on ESPN 105.9 The Zone in Jackson, Mississippi, every day, three to six. Program director there for the station as well. Um, background in engineering, civil engineering and mathematics um, from Mississippi State 2000. Worked private, publicly in civil engineering for a long time. But over the years, you know, everybody loves to pick up the old magazine. Here in about a month, we'll get them. The old Lindy's, you know, the Athlons. I still go to the stores. I still pick them up. I want to hold it in my hand, flip through the pages. Been doing it since I was a kid. And we all like to take that schedule and go, okay, yeah, hey, South Carolina's going to beat this team. They're going to lose to this team. And we'll say, okay, they're going to be six and six or seven and five. Well, this is just uh, my twist. And there's several people out there that do this from the Dave Bartus of the world, the Kelly Fords, that have their own models. Um, this is my model that I've been working on for about eight or nine years, where we use mathematics to try to predict and project college football. It's not exact. Um, you know, typically just on a scale one to one, just predicting games um, around 80 percent. You know, we take these now and uh, use them for our Vegas lines as well. Uh, I'm a grand ambassador for Maristar Casino in Pittsburgh, Mississippi. Been there for five years doing all of their sports gaming stuff <clears throat> in conjunction with our show. So we use it against the spread. They they enjoy it. It's fun. Uh, so it's just a great model, uh, or at least in my mind, my model that predicts college football, not just in the SEC, but around the country. And sometimes you hit it right on the head, and then sometimes you don't. Um, there's been times where it's fallen on its head. Not everything is perfect, but uh, it is a it is a predictor model for college football. Yeah, and this is really in-depth stuff. We'll put a link to the CFB Hourglass in the show notes because I recommend all the audience to go check it out. It's not just SEC content, but of course, all the SEC teams well covered by Jake over at CFB Hourglass. But I wanted to start with you, Jake. Teams, according to your model that have championship-level talent out of the SEC. I mean, everybody and their mother could tell you Alabama, Georgia, and I think even LSU. Um, any surprise that Texas A&M, Florida, I'm already seeing blowback for Florida, and Tennessee, those are the, the six out of the SEC that have championship-level talent. Again, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, A&M, Florida, and Tennessee. Any surprise that uh, – Let's start with Florida. That Florida made that list? Uh, well, you know, some are are surprised by that. And, and here's what we got to remember here. And I apologize for Ms. Zoe going through here, getting a charger here. I, I break the talent down in three different levels. One, uh, there's the championship level. That, that would mean anybody that's got talent 
that uh, has that talent level that can possibly win the national title. So that would mean, hey, if, if Florida's playing in the ACC or if they're playing at a different conference just on talent alone, um, they can they can possibly win the national title. The second level is to punch a ticket to – that's about number 17 to about 25 or 30. They have enough talent to where they can possibly make the college football playoff. The third is outside that realm. They pretty much don't have a shot. Now, TCU was right on that line last year. They were able to do it. But remember, this is talent alone. It's only one portion of the equation. The problem that we get into is in the SEC is where, for instance, Mississippi State and Ole Miss, they have top 25 talent. But then they're also matched up against a more talented team in LSU this week. Next week, they may have a more talented team against A&M. And then also, they may have played an equal talented team in South Carolina. So just because it says that, top 25 doesn't mean necessarily they're going to win every game. Um, if you don't believe it, that the SEC has that many talented teams, just look at the NFL draft. Yeah, and to your point, I mean, we hit on the, the national championship level talent. Like you said, the the SEC teams with playoff talent, it's virtually – it, it is. It's every team aside from Vanderbilt, which just makes it such a competitive league that makes it so tough to project. Uh, but I thought it was pretty interesting, Jake, that uh, uh, even Missouri – Mississippi State, Kentucky, uh, all above uh, South Carolina at number 27. Does that, and we'll get to your coach ranks here in a second, but are you surprised that South Carolina is getting so much hype considering uh, you've got them number 27 uh, when it comes to to roster talent? And then uh, Shane Beamer, again, we'll get to him in a second, but a little bit further down your list. So are you as high on the Gamecocks as uh, many others? I do like South Carolina. I like what Shane Beamer's done. I wasn't a big fan of Shane Beamer, not, nothing personal when he got the job. But when you look at the way that he's worked the transfer portal, he's gone in, he pulled a couple guys out of the state of Mississippi as well. They've come into the state of Mississippi, pulled some kids out of here. He's done a really good job recruiting. He's high energy. We know that. Uh, the guys seem to like him. The players like him. So, yeah, and, you know, South Carolina, for instance, at 27, and let's just say Florida, I don't have my list in front of me, at, you know, 15 – that's really only three or four players over a, over the course of three or four years that can change those rankings. So, you know, it's it's not surprising to see a team like Missouri, who maybe is down that list a little bit, upset a team like Florida or play Georgia to the wire on a, on a given Saturday. So, yeah, but to answer your question, I do like South Carolina. I feel like there's an arms race of sorts in the SEC East right now after Georgia. Is it going to be Tennessee, who looks like they have a little leg out in front? Florida, or is it going to be South Carolina or even Kentucky for that second spot? Now, jumping to your coach rankings, Jake, I'm not surprised, but I think some people might be. Kirby Smart, number one, Nick Saban, number two, and this is uh, not just in the SEC, but it, but obviously in the entire country. Um, how close was that in your model, and, and did that surprise you at all, or not really considering Georgia? Heck, they just won back-to-back national championships. Yeah, I tend to look at coaches a little differently than others. And now, if we go full scale, it's all relative into how you're looking at, it, at coaches or players. If we go for the history of a coach's life, Nick Saban's number one. I don't go for the whole coach's life. I go on about a three-year window, and actually it is on three years. And that includes top 25 wins, top 25 losses. Uh, all of this works into the coach's model. Wins on the road, wins at home, losses ding you big time if you lose to an FCS opponent. Over the last three years – and I think the records show it. Kirby Smart has moved ahead of Nick Saban. Two back-to-back national champions, what he's done in recruiting. Uh, the, the margin is still very, very small. But over this year, this is the first year I've been doing this. I've been doing this the eighth year. 
that any coach has moved past Nick Saban as the number one coach. Kirby Smart did it this year, but it's by just a little bit. Now, I was very interested, Jake. Your model's got Hugh Freeze as the number seven coach in the country. And again, going back to SEC teams with playoff caliber talent, Auburn right at 17. You can combine those figures. Of course, we got another one to get to here. But considering the coach, considering the talent, are people sleeping on Auburn? Do you think that's a fair assessment? Probably so. Now, do I think Auburn is going to have an LSU and Brian Kelly jump from last year? Probably not. But Auburn has proven. I mean, again, we look at Auburn and say, man, Brian Hartson, that was a bad program. Not a really good team. But, I mean, they went to Starkville and almost beat Mississippi State, lost that game in overtime. You wake up on a given Saturday, Auburn's still in a ball game. They've got players. They just don't have the right players in certain positions. And you look at Hugh Freeze, a lot of that coaching model comes from what he did, obviously all of it, what he did at Liberty. We don't take into account anything he did at Ole Miss. But if you look at the history of Hugh Freeze, he's been a winner everywhere he's been. He was able to take Ole Miss, and he's a developer of quarterbacks. I think Hugh Freeze is one of the more underrated coaches in the country. I don't know that he'll necessarily make that jump this year. In two years, I could see it. But if Alabama has problems at quarterback, by the end of the year, as we know that Iron Bowl goes, Auburn very well could upset Alabama down on the plains. Now you got Jimbo Fisher as uh, the 13th best coach in the entire country. I have to imagine he rated a lot higher uh, this time last year in your model. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the loss to App State, that definitely dings him last year or coming into this year. You look at him flipping the, the, the uh, record to five and seven. It, it definitely dinged him. I mean, he was sitting in the top 10 annually over the last several years. But, yeah, that moved him outside the top 10. We know how important this year is for him, uh, bringing in Bobby Petrino, Jimbo Fisher, you know, kind of moving in the wrong direction. I said I would get to Shane Beamer. You got him number 40 right now. What's it going to take for him to take that big jump up? And is that in part due to the fact that you really only got two years of data for him to I mean he's an outstanding assistant he's been that his entire career and recruiter but we only got two years of data as him as a head coach does that factor in at all with his overall coaching grade no you bring up a great point it absolutely does so when you have a coordinator um you know Dave Bartu and his group do a great job of ranking coordinators um I don't do that one I don't have the time to rank coordinators to be honest (laughs) with you uh that's a lot a lot of work but two when a coordinator takes over as a head coaching job, I kind of have what I call an identifier. If you're an offensive guy, you're going to get this number. If it's a blanket number, it's just kind of a starting point. If you're a defensive coordinator in the head coaching spot, it's going to be a little less um, just because offense, you score more points, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, the data, uh, there's not enough. And as you continue to move along and he continues to be successful, that number will move and climb. Same way with quarterbacks. I got a uh, question on uh, Twitter about Joe Milton, why he was so low in the quarterback rankings. Well, the quarterback rankings, and I know we haven't got to that yet, but just to kind of the same degree, the quarterback rankings are based on data from last year. So it's all kinds of stuff, again, put into the model, um, you know, completion percentage, all kinds of different stuff goes into it. So Milton, we only have a small sample size. Yay through 10 touchdowns, no picks. He doesn't have a big enough sample size to rate against a Will Rogers who played a full year, A.J. Jefferson. So by default, he's going to go down a little bit. Same way with Georgia quarterbacks, Alabama quarterbacks, Ohio State quarterbacks, guys that we don't know. Yes, they're highly rated players, but I don't include star ratings in the quarterbacks. It's strictly on on-field on-field production. So you may see, look at Georgia's quarterbacks and go, wow, they're in the high 30s. That's no way. Probably not. But that's where they ended up in the model. As we move through the year, when we start talking about working uh, Vegas lines and stuff, quarterback ratings start to change. 
all that starts to change to give you, an, you know, as accurate as possible a number for a team. Yeah, I'm glad you you said that, Jay, because I was going to ask you, why do you hate Joe Milton? That was my next question. <laughs> right. Long but distinguished list. Yeah. Well, there's no SEC quarterbacks, according to your model, in the top ten, which, again, that'll change, like you said. But uh, was that a surprise, or, or is that – do you think that's a – that gives you an indication that we're we're lacking some star power short of Jaden Daniels, KJ Jefferson, and and you got Will Rogers, number twelve, and Devin Leary, who I'm very high on as I go back and watch him as well. Those are your four top SEC quarterbacks. Were you surprised that there were no uh top ten quarterbacks out of the SEC? A little bit after getting into the numbers, but then you think about it. Um and every conference goes through this. There's shelf lives for big time quarterbacks and then they cycle off. I mean Stetson Bennett went way up the charts based on what he did at Georgia the last two years. Bryce Young, we know he was at, he was at the top. But when you look at um, the production out west with Caleb Williams at USC, Michael Penix Jr. at Washington, Bo Nix, what he did, was able to do at, at Oregon. Um, you look at some of the other quarterbacks around the country uh, at Duke and at North Carolina, they are just more productive quarterbacks. So I think it's just the shelf life of the SEC is kind of resetting itself, and you very well could see uh, you know, a Georgia quarterback move into that top 10. You can see uh, a Devin Leary at Kentucky move into that top 10 or a Will Rogers. So, yeah, right outside the num- right outside the top 10, a little surprising, but when you kind of look at the landscape of college football, not that surprised. Well, Jake, I wanted to ask you about your national championship projection, and I wanted to save that to the end here because I don't want the audience to just turn off immediately and wonder who in the heck is this nut job that's got Michigan winning the national championship over Georgia. Have you seen Michigan in a college football playoff? They can't even beat TCU. Please explain your model here, Jake. Absolutely. So, look, it's a risky pick, It's and it's, it's, it's not just reaching for something here. What I look at is this. Okay. A couple things. One, the talent has to be there. And you can read about this on CFBIOverglass.com. I tier it out three different tiers. A bronze tier, you know, a, a silver tier and a gold tier. That's the teams that I think have a shot. You can be a bronze team and still get into the into the college football playoff. Um, but to win it, you've got to have a couple things. One, you got to be extremely talented. We know that. You look at the past champions. You look at Georgia, number one recruiter in the country. Um, you look at Alabama, always when they win it, number one recruiter in the country. Clemson top five recruit in the country. So you got to be got to have that. There are no Cinderella's in college football. TCU tried to, to put on the slipper last year. Heck of a run, but we saw what happened when they actually lined up against Georgia. It wasn't pretty. The thing was over in seven minutes. But you, so you, you put the talent in, one. Two, you got to have the coaching. Got to have really, really good coaching. Um, Kirby Smart's proved it. Nick Saban's proved it. Davo Swinney. Um, now he's suffering a little bit from some of the turnover on his staff. And I blanket head coaches as like a CEO. So whenever, you know, Saban loses a coordinator, it's up to him to get another one. If you're running a business and you lose your main point guy and whatever business that you're running or girl, it's up to you to replace them. So your coaches have to be there. Then you have to have the quarterback play. So you look at the quarterback play for the national championship over the last, I mean, you can go back a gazillion years. Look at what Trevor Lawrence did. Look at what, you know, uh, Tua Tungvaloa was able to come off the bench and do. Look at uh, you know any any quarterback along the way. Look at Joe Burrow at LSU. Got to have elite quarterback play to win a national title. Then your offensive and defensive scoring efficiency numbers have to be fifteen or in. Literally, offensive scoring efficiency, defensive scoring efficiency. If you don't believe it, uh, there's a story. I need to pull it, and it's deep on that website. And I'll, I'll refresh it. 
showing that 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 absolutely does exist. If you look at Georgia last year, number they were in the top three in both categories. LSU the year Joe Burrow won it. LSU was number one in offensive scoring efficiency, but they were sitting around 17th defensively. And actually, all would say you can look at the efficiency numbers. It's kind of like a stock market watching college football. As teams go, see teams, you know, especially if you say I had seven undefeated teams halfway through the year. Some of those are paper tigers, and you can look at them until by their efficiency numbers. One this year is going to be probably USC. A lot of people are going to put USC, you know, as a, as a dark horse or a chance to win because of Caleb Williams, and, and and that is that is understandable. But and they will likely be the number one team in the country in offensive scoring efficiency. But they were a hundred and eighth last year in defensive scoring efficiency, and that's going to get you dinged along the way. So mm. back to your question about the national championship. I do have Georgia taking on Michigan. Both teams recruit inside the top five, advantage Georgia. And coaching-wise, Kirby Smart and his staff, really good. Jim Harbaugh, really, really good. You know, we look at Jim Harbaugh. We clown on Jim Harbaugh a lot. He's won everywhere he's been. He won at, at San Diego State. He won at Stanford. He's won at Michigan. He won at the NFL. He's quietly put together a really good staff, coaches it really well. Georgia runs it really well. Also, Michigan runs it really well. They got an 18-touchdown running back coming back this year, plus another guy who went for 1,000 yards as well. So, and believe it or not, Michigan is built somewhat like Georgia. They have, and I think that's by design, not necessarily Georgia, but you're seeing almost a, a change in the way teams are playing offensively, where when we got to four wide and everybody was throwing it all over the field, we thought, that's where we're at. Georgia kind of went away from that. They started running the ball. They throw it when they need to. They play good defense. Here's the tight end game. Michigan runs it, uses the tight end game. But I think the linchpin is J.J. McCarthy at Michigan. He played in last year's playoff. He's a seasoned quarterback now. And, you know, Georgia, we'll see what that quarterback situation looks like. But I think McCarthy being the more experienced guy, he's going to be an NFL guy. He's already put on a lot of lists as a first or second round pick next year. To me, the edge is a quarterback, and I think that's where it's at. I think Michigan can run it just like Georgia can. I think they can play defense, not as good as Georgia, but pretty darn close. My edge is only because of McCarthy. Now, if Georgia, if this quarterback thing worked out, they may they may run a rough shot to a three-peat. Mm. All right, Jake, I really appreciate all your time. Final question for you. I mean, everybody, even your model, you know, Georgia, that's favorites in the East. If you were to ask most people who's a maybe a, a second tier in the East, it's, gonna, it's probably going to be Tennessee. In the West, everyone's going to have Alabama or LSU. I don't think anyone, aside from homers, is going to have anyone but those four teams potentially winning those divisions. Based on your model, your numbers, and everything, just stars align, everything breaks right. Maybe it would take a TCU-type run. But could you pick one West team and one East team to kind of keep your eye on, not to not to sit here and say you're, you're picking them to win their division, but if the stars align, maybe – a, a team from each division that could pull off a, a major upset. Yeah, we're talking outside of the LSU, Alabama, Georgia ranks, right? Yes, sir. And Tennessee. I'll, I'll throw them and, in there. Oh, Tennessee in there. Absolutely. Um, let's go Arkansas in the SEC West. AJ Jefferson in the way they played, you know, they can play offense. If they stay healthy, they're going to be a handful. Uh, and, and Sam Pittman has Arkansas playing as physical. And again, notice the trend. Georgia, physical, physical, physical. Michigan, physical. Alabama's trying to get back to more physical football. Um, Arkansas is as physical a football team as you're going to run up on. So I like Arkansas. Look for the Arkansas Razorbacks. If we were going to have a team to kind of upset the apple cart. And if we're going to the other side, 
Let's go South Carolina. Let's go South Carolina. If Spencer Rattler, we talk about elite quarterback play, can bottle what he had at the end of the year last year, and he becomes the guy that he was at Oklahoma. We remember, we forget this, Spencer Rattler was a preseason number one draft guy. I mean, they had him at the top of every draft board. He fell off the wagon at Oklahoma. Kayla Williams surfaced, and it was over. If Spencer Rattler can bottle that up and be that kind of guy again, Watch out for South Carolina. So let's go Arkansas and South Carolina. All right, Jake, I can't thank you enough. Before you go, can you tell the audience where's the easiest, best place to find all your work? Yeah, just go to, uh, you know, follow me on Twitter at Jake Wim. You'll see everything there. I put the podcast up there. It's on Apple iTunes, uh, The Afternoon Drive with Jake Wimbley, CFPHourLast.com. If you want to stream our show, uh, if you're outside the state of Mississippi, just go to the thezone1059.com. Uh, you can always find me on Facebook, Jake Wimbley. It's an open account. Um, so I'm really just kind of Google me and you'll, you'll see where we're at. But just Twitter's the best place at Jake Wim. All right, Chase. So great stuff as always from Jake, man, I wish I had the brain power to do <laughs> computer analytics and all that, but some, some pretty fascinating stuff. And I, what I love about this Shane, I mean, this is not his opinion. This is his model. And how about it, Shane? I mean, basically the entire SEC has got the talent profile, according to Jake to make a run at the college football playoff. That's exactly what all these fans want to hear. That's awesome, man. He reminds me, of, it's like Pinky in the brain, you know? So, like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, he was the brain. I'm Pinky trying to figure out how to spell synonym. And, you know, I mean, that's just where we're at, brother. Uh, there are definitely just two different types of people out there. So, no, this is awesome. Awesome interview. Uh, always great to have him on. It just feels like I, I get smarter every time I hear him, you know? So, we, we need to have some more smart people on this show, Mike. <laughs> Yeah, well, there's none on between you and I, trust me. But 